0: jump on your jet ski-doo and fire your rotating barrel assault rifle because this week we plumb the depths of the ocean for an often maligned kaiju threat in the form of a treat williams action bomb at the box office that's right sit back and enjoy some schlock with us this is kaiju versus history deep rising
1: Welcome back to Kaiju vs. History. This is your trained mercenary crew member, Miles. And joining me is a Bond villain turned Catwoman, Patrick. Wow. I'm, I'm stealing jewels. <laughs> uh,
0: Patrick, Mr. how you doing Bond. this week? Oh, I'm doing all
1: right. I'm doing okay. I, I, I take issue, issue with your <laughs> flippant... Schlock accusations for this cinematic classic we are covering this oh, week. Oh, this
0: is this is good schlock, though. it's fine. It is um, fine. There's so yeah, much. So the I, '90s were just just nonstop it's a, action. It's a wild movie decade. Getting yeah, the biggest budgets of of all time, well, and just
1: being really terrible. And that's honestly that's what I love about the the nineties as a decade because there are some wild swings like we don't get a lot of big budget wild swings anymore we get big budget disasters but like well there, we we there get there was by... for that but we don't get a we don't get a water world anymore no like, I let say we we get uh you know the the
0: Star Wars and Marvel and DC but those those make giant money things. they still well, make money like they're all not like designed John by committee they are not you know, our tour written and directed by Stephen Summers. Amazing sure, sure, sure. Tr- treatments of Treatments of, of a script turned into an, an action film
1: like. Yeah, it's, it, it's, it's, it's the 90s is such a weird decade. And and we're going to talk, I mean, a little bit more about American nineties film. Well, very soon as well. But yeah, another film that I, I, I was adamant on getting <laughs> added to our, our watch list Well, Um, yeah, yeah. to be honest, I was surprised. It's very kaiju like. (laughs) Yeah, it's honestly of
0: our kaiju like movies that we've done here in the 90s. Tremors and the relic. relic. This is definitely the most kaiju-like. Actually. I mean, this is. I mean, borderline
1: a kaiju movie. That 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 creature is massive.
0: Yes, and it is definitely not just an octopus. <laughs> you know, right? We'll talk about it. it is it is got some it's, some special its powers. own thing? <laughs>
1: yeah, it, it, it does have like alien powers, but yeah, yeah. This is a 1998 action horror film directed, as Patrick said, by Steven Summers, starring Treat Williams, famka Jensen, and Anthony Heald was distributed by Hollywood Pictures and Synergy Pictures and released on February 2nd, 1998, where a young 14 year old Miles snuck into the theater to see this movie. (laughs) They pushed it back, I think, like six or seven
0: months. It was going to be the summer of 97 release, but I it should have been released in the summer. So I think they wanted to clear the summer for their release of con air which they were hoping to be like a real
1: big uh box office blast and well i mean the, the thing is those are so drastically different movies and i mean mm-hmm. i mean con air was a pretty big hit but well, yeah, it's, the, a, it's a it's a great movie so <laughs> that makes yeah it, it, i mean it's also a, a a good movie but like at the same time it's like i mean it's released it like at the end of july or early august yeah exactly
0: like, this this really this is a summer feels movie. feels weird for february and we'll talk about the movies I was going up against a little bit later but yeah deep rising i have oh, yeah. I, you know i probably hadn't thought about this movie for like 20 years before we <laughs> Until started, I made talking, you. <laughs> started talking about it for the podcast but well because there's so many big monster like underwater monster movies that we left off the list so many Like just big creatures that, you know, deep sea divers have to like deal with.
1: But well, a lot of them were just big creatures. Like, I mean, you have like Anaconda that had (laughs) come out in 97. That was a big hit. You have elements of other movies. Like, I mean, I know you're going to mention it, but other Michael Crichton adaptations you have. I mean, and and that's the thing is America. And that's what I wanted to talk about by adding some of these movies because it kind of mirrors the the 40s and 50s a little bit pre-Godzilla just better is that that you are getting giant creatures but you're not quite getting kaiju like i i don't think america gets like this generation gets bitten by that bug until a little bit later and yeah yeah, certainly like now like everyone loves them again we also have a lot more of awareness, you know, after, you know, post everyone being online, everyone kind of, oh, I, I know Godzilla, I know Rodan, I know, I know all this stuff. There is a cultural osmosis that's happening now and in the last 20 years that we were not having with some of this stuff. It was still kind of niche or fringe in terms of fandoms. And so you get movies like Deep Rising. But before we get further into this unsung classic, Patrick, tell us what's in a title?
0: I mean, Deep Rising is is I, I would say not a great title, but I think it's, we.
1: It's an evocative title. It's not. It's not a great horror title. It's not a great monster title. But it is one of those, like, Deep Rising. It's it's one of those like you know adjective gerund kind of <laughs> titles that like w- that that American Studios love to have. You know, I, Deep I... Lucy. <laughs>
0: I think you know the the death knell for how popular this movie was and how remembered it was is a documentary just came out last year when we're recording this it was like out a couple weeks ago uh, about I think drilling on the ocean floor narrated by Aquaman himself Jason Momoa that is also called Deep Rising so <laughs> as far as yeah legacy goes this is what I'm going to talk about later you know they <laughs> just straight up took this that type ti- this title for for that documentary and no one's like but what about <laughs> all the deep rising fans out there this had a lot of different translations and titles in other countries because deep rising is not super evocative i think of the the kind of the monster or what goes on in in, in the movie the bulgaria it was translated to fear of the deep it its title in other countries included brazil's Tintaculos, which i think is where they took the name of the the monster from kind of after the fact the the Octolos death under the sea in in croatia a cry in the ocean is one of the french titles which is i mean that sounds like a you know a black and white romance movie yeah it, 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 sounds, it
1: sounds like a like a a true foe film you know <laughs>
0: yet yeah, in germany it was called octolist deep rising so they took the monster's name and just kind of slapped it on there uh presences from the depths deep rising in italy it was just called the greed in japan i don't know what that translation <laughs> came out to but do, do you have any from this this huge list from imdb that you enjoyed <laughs> The working title was Tentacle, and I think they switched to Deep Rising. Probably, I mean, Deep Rising is a better title than Tentacle, in my opinion. Yeah,
1: Tentacle's been used, I think, once before.
0: It's a movie well, that we opted not to do. And you I, I don't know if they gave away in the trailer that it is one giant monster, but you're kind of, with that title, giving away the
1: reveal at the end. Yeah, yeah I mean, look, none of these titles are... are Great, deadly cruise seems a little on the nose. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it might, you might speed might well two it, deadly yeah. cruise. <laughs> I was literally speed speed two cruise control. Yeah, uh, and, and it might have might as well have been that on the nose. So yeah, none of these titles are great. I don't really have a favorite, uh, honestly. Out of all them, Deep Rising's fine. Like <laughs> uh, I'll take adjective gerund and well, and and go on.
0: I like Octolus. You know, Deep Rising or Octolus, Death from the Depths, the the German yeah, that's title. Fine. Yeah, because I like the monster being in there. Um, we don't often talk about the posters too too much, but this one has also some of the worst posters I think have
1: ever Man, been made. I, I <laughs> like the posters because they're they're. I mean, the first one that was yeah, when it was one... a January thirtieth date, it makes it feel like it's just a straight horror film. It does not give you the in the inclination that you're about to watch a monster movie
0: it barely looks like water it looks there's a, a woman screaming and it looks like a plastic bag it, is being like dragged yeah no it
1: head. looks like the poster of like black christmas or even something like in dreams if anyone mm-hmm. else remembers that movie the and then the the second, second poster, poster
0: looks like a jurassic park poster it's it looks like jurassic kind of park, like
1: a, honestly it looks it, honestly dinosaur I, eye. I think what they were doing is it kind of looks like the anaconda poster
0: Oh, yeah. You know, that came out in 19- the year before. 7. I think. Yeah. So that makes that makes sense. The third poster looks like the awesome. Waterworld <laughs> poster. It's the, terrible. The, 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 the,
1: the third poster, which was the I know, at least the VHS poster or the VHS cover that came out mm-hmm. when it came out of VHS. This was the actual <laughs> art. <laughs> um, the you, the you climax get the ex- of the movie. <laughs> yeah. You get the explosions, the skidoo, And oh, it's it's. This is this is you know,
0: art. <laughs> hang this in the Louvre. You 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 you'd think I would be sick of floating heads from, you know, all the superhero movies. But I wish this had a floating head poster because there's so many great character actors in this movie. And I think a scheme oh, jumping over floating heads would be a lot of a lot of fun. That would yeah. be fun. And then the
1: Blu-ray one is. Oh, the Blu-ray like is amazing. Phenomenal. They're,
0: Yeah, they they obviously cared, and I think we're talking before we started recording that this Blu-ray is definitely something made for the fans because there's tons of interviews, and you know they went back like
1: I would have a poster of this this Blu-ray, like poster. It's it's phenomenal. It's very Lovecraftian. It's got this. I mean, just great like sea horror. With the with like all the tentacles kind of going around this in like in a shadow format, like going around this cruise ship, and then you see like a good head of the, the actual creature kind of coming up in a Jaws fashion. It's a it's a great it's a great it's a great poster.
0: Yeah, yeah. I I, I mean the that the cover for the Blu rays is a ten out of ten. I think the, the yeah, posters no, if, are like a if, one. If that,
1: if that poster was what was given to us in nineteen ninety eight, I think the the grosses would be a little bit different. So, yeah, what's this movie about, Miles? Whatever are we talking oh, about man, Deep Rising? Can you like, summarize? You get everything in this movie. because it starts off, you have like, oh, this kind of like loose, like, I don't know who he's trying to... Like, okay, so Treat Williams is the captain of this kind of mercenary for a ship. Treat Williams is someone very familiar to whose genre fans he has been working or had been working for many decades. His personal issues with drugs and stuff kind of kept him from ever being a big leading man permanently. Um, this was kind of his, his first actual like full leading role in a, a big Hollywood budget movie. You, most people our age might know him as the dad in Everwood, mm, okay. but I mean, he's, <laughs> he's got a lot of, a lot of screen credits. Um, uh, Unfortunately passed uh, this past summer yeah. uh, in a uh, motorcycle crash. Oh, is that how he died? That's a shit. Yeah. yeah, he and, lived and a good long it, life, though. He's 71. Allegedly, his estate, like, I, I think, like, sued whoever it was for wrong for death because there was some back and forth on whether someone ran, I think, a light or something. Wow. Like, it was, it it, it was not a, it's not great. And the case is, is still ongoing. But, yeah, he, 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 he just passed away. But, yeah, at 71, he is kind of a fan favorite actor amongst. A lot of like fans of of, of cult cinema, and, and you and if you look up his stuff, you have definitely seen something that he's been in. And then obviously you have Fanka Jensen, who is mm-hmm. coming coming hot off of GoldenEye. And yes, and so this is before
0: Jean Grey, so I think really yeah. before she exploded. And you got to remember, she's not yeah, in she GoldenEye a- very long she's in no but like, like she
1: was minutes. memorable in Gold, golden eye oh for um, sure i remember her. <laughs> like yeah everyone so, on the she's top. Those, yeah she was one of those actresses who was kind of on the up so it made sense that she's elite here she wasn't the first choice she was the best choice because they i think they wanted to go for claire for who i don't see how that would have worked yeah the um, chick from mall rats right mall rats and that one jackie chan movie the tuxedo is that the one
0: doesn't make sense her in that role. I think Famke Jensen just makes perfect sense. I, no, because f-
1: Famke Jensen, uh, like honestly, when you first see her, you're like, wait, is that is that Sandra Bullock? Like they were kind of <laughs> giving her. This kind of like sandy book, like haircut and everything. Well,
0: and I know she was still. I mean, she was very young when when this movie was made. But the other actress that you mentioned, I feel like the 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 age difference between her and Treat Williams would have felt very weird. You know, not oh
1: a hundred percent.
0: I mean, it would have been like twenty years, but it would have felt like thirty
1: years. <laughs> yeah. So so we 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 get. Like twin sequences of yeah, treat Williams, who is a mercenary for hire. He's got kind of a ragtag group of him, him and his engineer and his first mate, who I'm unsure exactly what her official purpose is, um, other than taking your top off in the bridge um, and to
0: die very quickly in the movie. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I
1: mean, she she's very charismatic. I it was bummed that she passes away very quickly but she's kind of like the first mate and then Benny from the mummy movies and from <laughs> many Steven summer movies Kevin J O'Connor he's kind of like the Ted Ramey to Sam Ramey in this movie well, yes but he's, all, he's, he's also he, he's, he's he's the 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 engineer he he knows the ship backwards and forwards and they are harboring this harboring this group of what we assume are criminals and well what are criminals they are
0: they are the Marines at the beginning of Aliens <laughs> that yes. are you know checking their weapons and 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 you know kind of being mean to one another and like ragging on each other like that is that scene in full and it's a murderer's row
1: of like some great talent I mean uh, Jima H- Honsu is in like an early role for him well, I mean, but
0: this is after I think he was like nominated for. An Oscar for Amistad, right? Or maybe, maybe he wasn't. But so th- he that movie came Ami- out in 97. So this is after that. But I think it this was, is may-
1: after Amistad. But I'm, I'm I let me see. So that, that came, so that came out in this. Christmas of 97. Yeah. So he I think they still, filmed
0: these kind of around the same time.
1: Yeah. He would have still, like, he would have not had the awards buzz yet. Uh, he's also in, I mean, he's been so much stuff. I don't, I don't need to tell you who he, who he is. On the flip side, we we also get this kind of like great view of this massive cruise ship. It's kind of like the Titanic, where it's like, it's the cruise ship of cruise ships, it's the most expensive one, it's only for the elite, and we have someone there who doesn't quite belong. Um, in Famke Jensen's character, Trillian St. James, which is a bond <laughs> name if there ever was. Well, the 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 script writer
0: said he lifted that from Trillion in the Hitchhiker's Guide series whose name is like Trisha McMillian. So it's kind of like a portmanteau of her first and
1: last name. But here it's just like, maybe just because she likes money. (laughs) Who knows? Yeah. But, and and she, like, Vamka Jensen is charismatic as all get out in this movie. Like, I buy her as the, uh, yeah, kind of the Selena Kyle here. Because you see her, like, picking pockets and and just, like, jacking champagne and, Mm -hmm. and doing all this stuff to, like, so that she can get access to the elite's vault. Which basically yeah. the, they seem to have these like safety deposit boxes there, which why would you ever bring that stuff to a ship? I mean, like you could be
0: transporting it across the ocean, part of the you know, part of the ocean style in the Titanic. I
1: guess I, I was very confused as to why <laughs> why is this a, a service here? <laughs> yeah. And so we get kind of a marriage of these two because unbeknownst to the viewer and unbeknownst to the people involved someone on the ship is canceling all the communication so that eventually this group of mercenaries can board the ship and, you know, rob everyone. And set up detonation devices to sink the boat for the insurance money.
0: Yeah. Well, it's it's an insane plot, but it is is an insane plot. (laughs) It is interrupted by an even more insane plot, which is a, a uh, monster, a a paleolithic giant monster just literally worms its way into the ship. I guess like, uh, I mean we never really see it, well, but no, like, it you get the initial they say crash. it makes a, a hole through the bottom of the boat yeah and it just kind of gets its way into the hole that way and th- yeah. there's not really a reason the, Ar- it just the Argonautica happens.
1: is the name of the ship which is a the great name
0: Argonautica <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah and this monster immediately starts causing havoc and eventually kills everybody on the ship I think we're led to believe except for three people <laughs> <laughs> the captain, yes, um, the, the the financer, and trillion.
1: <laughs> so the 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 bad guys are led by a guy named Hanover, played by uh, West Study, who is a, a studi. very prominent study the last
0: of the Mohicans.
1: Yes, a very prominent Native American actor. Yeah, last of the Mohicans, Dances of Wolf, Geronimo American legend, and the new world. But to me, possibly most famous for being Sagat in the Street Fighter movie. <laughs> I in 1984, in that movie, <laughs> and, and, and 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 having yeah, a, a native or a First Nations American playing a tie fighter <laughs> in the Street Fighter movie is like the the amount of cocaine that movie is made on is insane. <laughs> uh, a, a Danish man
0: was playing the most American American characters. Uh, uh, yeah, no, don't up. get
1: me started on Guile. <laughs> so yeah, th- this is the impetus of our movies. You have these two stories colliding literally with one another because. Uh, Treat Williams and company are not super stoked that they are forced to be part of this plot because they run over a speedboat randomly, which doesn't seem like it would wreck that boat as oh, much the, as it does. The explosion that happens is
0: way unproportional to like those boats. <laughs> to to, to that, boat. Like, yeah, that, boat, that boat. Like that boat split explosion. in
1: half and that would have been it. You might it have was, had a scratch.
0: It it was a yeah, dinghy set off by the the cruise ship and it must've been full of gasoline (laughs) because they hit it and it puts a hole in the side of their boat and they go flying. It's, it's a lot of damage. Yeah. So
1: they have enough gas to get to to their destination, which is the cruise ship and they board it and nobody's there.
0: This is a very cool part of the movie. It's, you know, ghost ship and you don't, we don't really see what happened to the passengers as the, the audience and have not seen any part of the monster at this point, so it is a very f- cool, spooky vibe. It does remind me of Tremors a little bit. It reminds me of Aliens, of course, but I, yeah, I but think...
1: you don't you, you don't have you don't have people as lovably cursing as much as uh, Fred Ward and Kevin Bacon do <laughs> in Tremors. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. So yeah, I, I agree with you though that this whole setup, we're like, what happened? Because. Even as the audience, we've only seen that there was, you know, something shook the boat, Mm -hmm. but they can't find anyone. The only human being that they see is Fanka Jensen because she's been in the brig and is able to James Bond her way out of that. And, you know, obviously, she gloms onto this crew because she doesn't know what's going on either. Mm -hmm. And from here, it turns into kind of almost like a slasher movie because you have people get kind of getting taken out. Like in different solo situations. Mm-hmm. And some of them are pretty grody because, I mean, like we, we've, we find out that, like, you know, some of them have this like acid because, like, some of the tentacles have like little like mouths and stuff on them. And some of them are just like full on tentacles that squeeze someone and make them blow up. Yeah, um, so,
0: so Billy is, is the, I think the first death and he has a, a very grisly, like half digested death in mm-hmm. front of everyone.
1: Great I mean, sequence, like phenomenal effects on that one.
0: Yeah, it feels like the, the first half of this movie is very top loaded with the best effects and CGI. And I feel like as the movie goes on, the tentacle CGI kind of gets worse and worse. And
1: I mean, it, it, it certainly doesn't age well. I mean, because, you know, the, the mid nineties CGI, I mean, nothing you can say about it. Like it just, well, it, it's it, it, it was so early.
0: It's the same thing that happens in Relic. I think the monster, well, that's a mix of a lot of practical effects, but the CGI effects are so great for that monster until they aren't. Till the end where it's very well lit. The explosion of both monsters, they both die in the same way, like a a giant fiery (laughs) explosion bursts them into a million pieces, and it's the worst CGI in the movie. I I will (laughs) say it does look better in this movie than it did in Relic. Yeah, yeah, that's that's definitely so
1: and this is I guess it's the difference between me and a lot of people. It's not just you. and It's not I mean, just like my roommate is the same way. <laughs> like CGI doesn't really bother me or take me out, like especially CGI from the 90s. Like I know what I, I get coming in and maybe it's because I grew up watching full moon movies. But like mm-hmm. so long as it's passable enough to like like for for what it was of the time, like I'm not going to judge CGI. Or a computer-generated effect from 1989, the same way I'm judging Avengers Endgame. You know, I'm just not going to do that. And so the same thing, like I mean, CGI, especially on this scale, even in 1998, was, I mean, and we're going to see some more from it that for people that had more money, but it's it's a lot of it is like this Mm -hmm. for what's getting released. So I, I don't I don't harp on the CGI too much, just because I. If I if I make the agreement that I'm down with the movie and I'm down with what they're doing, then I it, it, I can have a good time. I was the same way with Bro. Like even though I was like, oh man, this looks like a screensaver from 1995, <laughs> but <laughs> good, I'm okay with it. The thing about the monster
0: in this is you don't see much of it. it is like a an old school horror movie that way a a tell don't show kind of thing until they just show you all of it at the very end finally but
1: and it's a cool i mean you gotta say the design of the monster is very cool
0: i will say i actually like these tentacles design even more so than the the tremors tentacles you know they they are great it's definitely something that i feel like can can exist at the bottom of the ocean the creature design was handed handled by rob Bowton and he he came up with i think the initial sketches and you know obviously handed off a lot of it to the the cgi team but they they did a great job in creating a creature that you can believe can can be something that could exist it has enough like parts that are octopus like and like deep sea kind of like angler bits to it that makes it very believable and, and that's one of the reasons why it works as as a monster it, it, you know, the the logic <laughs> uh, and the mechanics of the creature don't really make sense in the space they have it confined in, you know, right? and they they actually make reference to the very early in the film, you know, the, an octopus opening a, a jar. <laughs> yeah, there's a story about an octopus opening a jar to, to kill the creature that's inside of it. But, like, there is an extent. that There is a maximum stretchability of an octopus's arm, you know, that doesn't go <laughs> the entire length of a ship miles. <laughs> like, I don't I understand. mean, depending on
1: how big this this octopus's arms are.
0: I mean, or this yeah, creature's but, arms are. Well, we we see them. I mean, we, we see the end of them and <laughs> the, the, the entire monster at the end of the film. And, you know, they're coiled up. They're kind of snake-like. But yeah, I just it it beggars belief that these tentacles can like outrun a jet ski. At the end of the movie, we'll talk about that. But the the design element of I I really enjoyed, and there's some great practical effects on the set for you know things that were happening, like the tentacles slamming up against a wall and like you know it denting and like the walls buckling as like the tentacles mm-hmm. are like squirming behind them. Some very cool stuff that. The, you know, Rob Bowton said he, he borrowed elements from Jordan Carpenters, the thing. So you got some of that in there. What, one of the design elements I want to talk about was the, the weapons that they use. Talk about those in the, the intro. They are M1L1 Triple pulse assault rifles they used by the the pirates, and they yes. are modified Calico M nine hundred and sixty submachine guns with just a a fake rotating five barrel magazine on, Which, on the top, like impractical but looked cool on screen. It looks great and. It kind of gives it a little bit of like a sci fi element to it, even though that's something that you could believe could exist in, in the real world. The director said the graphics in the movie felt very escape from New York ish. <laughs> and I don't know if I, I think it might be. I don't little, know if I agree with that because I mean, closer to escape from LA. <laughs> in,
1: well, yeah, parts. just because like escape from New York, like, I mean, they, they did all their computer scenes were basically like electrical tape lit up by black light, you know? And yeah. Which, I mean, I love that. I love that effect. It's it's phenomenal. Especially, no, like, when you know that's what the effect is. Like, every single time you watch that movie, you're like, this is so cool. <laughs> but, I mean, yeah, it, it's interesting because we talk about some of the script stuff. Because you and I were, were talking about it. Where it's like, oh, yeah, there's there's definitely this kind of, like, Star Wars-y kind of thing. And that's on purpose because before they got Treat Williams, they, their first choice was Harrison Ford <laughs> for uh, the lead of this movie. Which... And even even in 1998, I'm like Harrison Ford, like at, at too some point. old to be this character. Oh, I don't I don't think he's that much. This is a year after Air Force One. Get off my plane. He still looks like an old man.
0: I mean, Treat Williams was like 40 something here. I think Treat was some Williams Ford. was,
1: but he doesn't look like 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 Treat Williams still looks like a pretty athletic built. I'll, healthy I'll give you dude. That. Yeah. Like. Not that he- Harrison Ford looked unhealthy, but like Air, Air Force One was like ninety seven. He still kind of looks like mm-hmm. I'm I'm bordering on grandpa. You know, <laughs>
0: I mean, Treat Williams always has looked kind of old to me. But the the other before Harrison Ford pulled out, Jim Carrey was also brought in to potentially audition for Joey Pen- Pantucci, the the character played by Kevin. That,
1: that is such a, a wild idea.
0: I, I mean, I. I I can imagine this having like a hundred million dollar budget in 1990 and having those huge names attached to it. But yeah, they, they, I mean, they definitely would have picked the, I, the actresses that they did for I, her. I, I'm not
1: going to lie. Uh, having Kevin J. O'Connor, I think just knocks out of the park. And I know that yeah. he and Steven Summers, I must have a wonderful working relationship because I mean, obviously this movie doesn't do very well, but people seem to like working with him and he gets the gig for The Mummy. And guess who Mm -hmm. comes along as the one of the main supporting characters (laughs) is Kevin J. O'Connor, possibly maybe not, you know, the best in terms of like, oh, wait, he's supposed to be Egyptian, but um, as as Benny and who is a, a series mainstay and is I mean, the guy's comedic timing is perfect. This guy knows his role and knows how to do it. And he's even here actor. you can kind of seen it.
0: Yeah. In general, he, he's, he's worked with Paul Thomas Anderson. He was in, there will be blood. What else? Oh, it, uh, and the master. <laughs> I, 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 I don't remember his character for master, but he's, he's been in a lot of stuff. He's one of those actors that definitely is, has got like weird and creepy kind of like down to a science and plays, plays pretty good kind of comedic relief here. And, you know, he, the audience liked his character so much that test audiences hated that he dies in the movie, so they like reshot the ending to
1: <laughs> Yeah, to, to, bring to him have to a Deus Ex Machina where he's just there on a surfboard. Well, and... supposedly
0: they added the the surfboards in CGI to the explosion of the boat at the end to I guess signify that that's how he got the surfboard like that's how the surfboard survived the explosion he, he says at the end that he got hit oh, nearly got killed by the surfboard as it was coming down but he used it to surf all the way to the island which is Jeez. so silly but yeah he he the, the test audiences love him so much I, I enjoy his character a good deal you know you, you, you feel for I
1: mean, him he's also got great charisma like the, the guy works phenomenally he took a character that i mean yeah you could have played him all sorts of ways but because he plays them so lovable i mean and this is this is my one big criticism of this movie is like it feels like a test audience choice when he just pops up at the end you're like you're like all right hold on hold on
0: well it's one of my my favorite things when when that kind of happens naturally over the course of making a film or tv show like you know, Jesse on Breaking Bad was supposed to die at the end of season one.
1: Can you imagine? Yeah, I no, I, not really. <laughs> but like, the show wouldn't exist.
0: It, it it beggars belief, and and part of that was I think it was the writing of it was interrupted by like the 2008 writer strike, and it thank God it gave them enough time to kind of rethink that decision. I do want to skip around to my favorite scene in the movie, or one of my favorite yeah. scenes. There's a lot of stuff, but uh, it because it involves Joey, Joey's character, who gets shot by, <laughs> uh, what's his name, West Studi's uh, mercenary character to slow him down so the tentacles eat him instead of West Duty.
1: Oh man, and it's it's a great sequence.
0: <laughs> he still gets away. He, he goes in like a dumb waiter. And find Wes Studi being digested, like actively being eaten by one of the tentacles in a a, a grueling scene. Supposedly, it was very painful for for Wes to the, the way he had to sit to get this shot. And, you know, probably took hours. To right. Scenes where he's getting digested. And, you know, I think in the 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 behind-the-scenes videos, he's like, yeah, you, you can see the pain in my eyes as I'm getting killed by this thing because I was actually in a ton of pain. <laughs> <laughs> but that it's a great moment because um, Joey goes in there and gives him the gun, which is, I think, Damon Honshu's gun that kind of gives, like, Traded throughout the movie, yes, and, and shot all over the place. It, it's like a, a
1: never place. say I never gave you anything. <laughs> yeah, and he
0: he tries to shoot Joey on his way out, and Joey's just like, "What the heck, man!" Um
1: But and, yeah, and waste his last shot because then yes. he tries to shoot himself to, yeah, to which avoid is, the pain of, of digestion. Oh, he's out of bullets. It's it's the most
0: cliche kind of like action horror movie thing possible, but it works so well here for I think his character and, and
1: well and, and because you had the moment before that really earns that that scene, I think, like it that's why I didn't kind of groan. Cause like typically that would that would be the 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 scene. Like in the aliens or something yeah. like that, that would well, happen. But the fact that he just tried to shoot somebody who was doing him a favor.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: it's like it's you're one like of the yeah. things
0: that makes this kind of good schlock Whereas aliens is just mm-hmm. straight good <laughs> this well, I mean, is it's doing... a whole other other yeah yeah 100% it, well there's so many things and uh, things that are, are kind of similar but you know not the same where they, they also have like grenades on them and they kind of use them in similar ways to like if they know they're getting killed by these tentacles they like they you know set off the grenade to to kill the the tentacles yeah, well, let's talk about this in comparison to other kaiju movies. Sure. Like I said, I, I think this shares more DNA with Aliens and maybe even Alien Resurrection than it really does in uh, most kaiju films, because you know usually kaiju, the, the the people aren't able to you know destroy the monster. Well,
1: really fight so against the monster. So I feel like in the '90s, Americans weren't grasping the concept of kaiju. Even what we're going to talk about it in, I think next week even when godzilla comes around it's not truly like a kaiju movie in the strictest sense and it's through the the 90s american lens and so the idea of a named monster that is beloved by people or audiences is not something that i think american studios understand at this point they understand mm-hmm. something that makes money which is why they wanted to do godzilla and people have been trying to do godzilla for years but we'll get to that next week but spoiler Sorry, but for most people in for for most American studios, it's we have a creature and we have a Mm -hmm. star or at least the idea of a star. So it's it's less about the monster, Uh, unlike in Japan, where the monster is the star of the picture. In in the States, that's not a concept that the, the studios have wrapped yeah. their head around we're, yet we're, and, and, and won't for some time.
0: Almost always been more creature feature here in, in the States. And, you know, what movie this reminded me a great deal of was the um, it came from beneath the sea because that's another one that, yeah. <laughs> you know, a big octopus like beast. And I mean, technically humans, I think, kill that monster in, in that yeah, movie.
1: And, and one we covered for the show. Which yeah. makes it even more important that we cover this one. This
0: <laughs> um, <laughs> well, does, does feel like a, a more sequel to that. I, I mentioned Alien Resurrection because that movie, while it technically came out before this one, and had so many similar scenes. Thanksgiving in '97. I
1: I was in the theater for that one too.
0: <laughs> uh, my mom went to see that uh, with, I think, a boyfriend at the time, and I was not invited. And I was really bummed out because I was like, I love the alien movies. I'm kind of glad I, I, you know, as much as that movie is interesting, I'm not a big fan of that one, but that movie. I like it. I like it more than the other ones. <laughs> oh, you're crazy. This movie though was done filming before that movie. I mean, not more than out. one and two, just more oh, than yeah, yeah. three. Okay. and well, that's Prometheus. Fine.
1: Yeah, no, I'm no, I, the first two are on their own Island. I'm talking <laughs> about three Prometheus and covenant. Like, well, I I enjoy that weird movie just because it's a weird movie. But Yeah, like like I'm saying, the, the filming for this movie was done in
0: 1996, so that it was almost all done except for some reshoots before Alien Resurrection came out. So that Alien Resurrection has like a you know you have to swim underneath the water. Yeah, the they do have that scene. You. But like technically, this movie did do that first. But I think in Roger Ebert's reviews, he like quoted how kind of like similar. And talk Ebert about.
1: Hated this movie too.
0: <laughs> we'll talk about that, but yeah, I, I I don't want to tarnish the creativity of Tremors graboids, but I would say you know that this movie does that kind of reveal of you know they're not like these little snake creatures or they're not these little tentacle monsters, but it's rather one big monster, almost as good as as yeah. Tremor does. I I would agree with that. Because they set up that there are these little uh, these little like worms that live on the ocean floor, and, you know, that, that's kind and of like what we see. It's kind of the Meg
1: logic where of like, oh, yeah. this can happen deep down in the Marianas Trench. And, yeah. you know, because even, even the beginning of the movie says like, oh, there, there are canyons deep within the oceans outside of, I mean, they say, specifically say China, but like they, mm-hmm. out in the ocean that that would cover the Himalayas with no problem. And, which, I mean, it. Uh, true. Just to kind of give you the whole mystery of the ocean feel. So when they explain <laughs> this idea of what the 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 creature might be, um well, it's like okay, it, yeah, I, I take that.
0: It operates like those worms because they supposedly drink their victims which i don't know like how exactly that works but
1: i don't know but it makes it sound like <laughs> even their reactions like
0: oh i'm like yeah yeah that's that's that sucks <laughs> I mean, we really only see it with west studi's character and it just kind of looks like <laughs> he's slowly getting digested so i don't know how much different that is than being eaten <laughs> like if they had done the thing where like they're i think they they actually to get down to an R rating, had to take some kind of things off the board. Like they were going to have like in the the charnel room where all the skeletal bodies are. They were going to have yeah, some which was a them, great reveal. They were going to have some of those people still like partially alive and like being digested. And the idea was to have like the eyes sucked out of a skull, like as people were watching. <laughs> and Apparently that Ooh, was that, that was fun. That was Ixnade before it got to production, you know, before they got to filming because it was not going to fly with the the ratings board. But is there is there anything else that that worked or didn't work for you? I mean, I want to say the
1: only thing that doesn't work for me is 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 that it doesn't work for me. It's just that I'm like, we talked about it is when. When Joey pops back up, it's like, oh, hey, guys, I'm here. <laughs> I yeah, it, it, It's just you're just like, oh, OK. Like, I'm, I mean, I was already bummed that he died because they, they the way they they shoot it and make you think that he's gone is off screen. You don't get to see yeah. the monster attack him. You don't see anything. So you're just like, OK, that sucks. Yeah. And, and, and they wrote that or at least the scenes that we saw edited that way. We're specifically so that we get the reveal that Joey is not dead, and I think it's it for the it's the one part of the movie that just doesn't work for me.
0: Well, well, like um, I said, I think they do did film his death scene and show that to audiences and or test audiences, and the test audiences hated it, so they just cut that out. And yeah, <laughs>
1: added the The, 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 the CGI problem is they just cut, they cut it poorly. And, and I, I got I gotta say this was something we didn't talk about, but the, the for the most part, the Jerry Goldsmiths Score is pretty serviceable. But yeah. what I really did appreciate is the very beginning of the movie when they're kind of just like coming up from the depths. They had a couple of notes that kind of sound like Ikafubi's mm. Godzilla score. And it's a really nice nod to me. There's definitely
0: some some nods in this movie. We'll talk about the ending in a little bit. An- yeah. No- another bit that didn't work for me was this is a horror movie in so many ways more than an action movie for sure. most of the film except when the the monster gets its its tentacles on the main character and all of a sudden is not interested in murder and drinking it just wants to like bring the main character close enough to, so it can get its eye shot out. It's the most plot armory, stupid thing I've seen in a movie. At it least
1: absolutely like, is. At least but like, like, yeah, it, like have them break an arm or something. It, it, it didn't something. take me out of the movie, but I am not gonna argue with that being a problem for you because I'm like, I no, 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 it's 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 certainly a logic issue. It's an awesome scene because when you when he shoots that eye and all that goo comes out, you're like, oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's yeah, no, it's it's I, I can't fault you for that.
0: This movie has <laughs> a 32% on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, Heretics. Heretics. And the, the audience score is 43%, which <laughs> is...
1: A, a not, number that has been rising. Not much better,
0: but... Like uh, The Deep? I mean, it's technically that. technically, I think, worse than... <laughs> Than even last week's rebirth of mothra 2. but you talked about roger ebert he gave this one and a half stars which coincidentally is what he also gave the 1954 gojira so maybe we shouldn't even care about his his opinion too much wait
1: he gave one and a half stars to gojira he
0: yes in in a retrospective review he he gave the original gojira one and a half stars i don't understand him either but
1: then 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 i i I file for null and Roy on <laughs> on any 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 weight that I mean, like I, I loved Ebert for most of my life that that is unforgivable. I think this was two thumbs down from Siskel and Ebert. This, Siskel this is, didn't like anything, so I'm not worried about him.
0: <laughs> well, this is just like a year before he passed away. But Ebert's review said the movie is essentially an alien clone with a fresh paint job. You know something's wrong when a fearsome tentacle rears out of the water and opens its mouth. And there's a lot of little tentacles inside its own ugly little mouths and all with nasty teeth. And all I can think is been there, seen that. (laughs) So what? (laughs) Yeah, take that, Ebert. So what? This movie came out like one or two months after Titanic. (laughs) So... You know, part of the thinking of why this did so poorly is it was still up against like one of the highest grossing, grossing movies of, of all, time. all time. Yeah, and
1: I, you know maybe they could have leveraged that with some proper I mean, again advertising. Fe- February, February but... was a, would have been awful time for the for at that time February was a graveyard release date. So like this should have been released like late July, early August of nineteen ninety eight, and would have been fine. Well,
0: we were talking about it before, and this came out. Right around a couple of similar movies. Nineteen ninety-eight also had Phantoms a few weeks before this, which is about a giant, you know, tentacle creatures coming up from under the earth.
1: Yeah.
0: and the the film adaptation of Sphere, the the Michael Crichton Sphere mm.
1: film, which oh, also well, has a
0: miss, <laughs> also has a giant sea monster in it, and you know is they're well, of... they're just Portuguese man o' war, right? Aren't they just giant Portuguese man o' war? No, well, Jules Verne's giant
1: kind of kraken oh place, right 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 because yeah yeah, yeah, yeah yeah that's right um, I, I i legit have not seen that movie since i saw it in theaters in 1997 so oh right Let, let's talk
0: about the ending for the movie in, in the legacy of this film because it, it, it's there's a lot of internet uh, uh discussion kerfuffle the the cliffhanger of these three surviving characters trillion and what, what's tree williams character's name finnegan uh, finnegan finnegan trillian and joey survive joey. and they're on a mysterious island with a big volcano and almost everywhere you read including imdb and, and whatnot says this is meant to be a king kong prequel because we get trees rustling and being like knocked over and then like a primal yell to before we go to to credits and i th- i don't if that's what I thought when I saw this movie originally. I don't. I don't know if I. It's
1: definitely what I th- I thought when I saw this movie back in the day. Right. Well, because um, and, and I'll tell you why is because we knew that Godzilla was coming out that next year because they they had began the right. campaign for Godzilla for a while and there had been rumblings of of a new King Kong. I mean, until I mean, it was a long time before Peter Jackson's movie came 05 when that came out. That is true, but, but, but but, but there have been rumblings of a new King Kong for a while. So, so at this point out, that was the discussion that like all of my friends and I had, oh, that, that, that's, that's it.
0: Believe it or not, at this point, Peter Jackson and his wife were already working on the script for King Kong. They had already been acted to, to start this. And that's like nine years before the movie came out. So that, that's one of the things that leads me to believe this was not any way, shape or form. Meant to be King so, Kong, even though King Kong, the book character was public domain at this point, the film King Kong was not. So the, the reason do, I, like everything from the movie,
1: the reason I defend the fact that people believe that is also keep in mind, this is this was the the golden age of movie magazines mm-hmm. and a lot of movie magazines had a whole section of like what was in development. Hell, what was being made? Yeah. And like so King Kong was always in those um, as was like every version of like Batman Five or you know yeah. that, that kind of thing it was like was it Cine Fantastique or something like that? Right, right, right. Um, so I'm I'm, not, I'm excited. I watched the same documentary that you did that has um, one of the guys, cinematographer, cinematographer for saying Atherton. that it was going to be a Journey to the Center of the Earth. My contention is the way that island looks mm-hmm. with that very primate sounding scream with the way that the trees are going it to me it definitely feels like king kong
0: i could see that that screech belonging to like a t-rex or a dinosaur or or something which would have you know led it to be uh, the jules verne classic the other thing that i think puts it in the probably journey to center of the earth camp is there's not really a volcano on many Skull Islands, like active volcanoes. No,
1: it, it's not, but there's always that mist, and like as it's panning out, you see yes. all this mist coming around. Well, so I think there it is does a volcano, have a Skull Island feel.
0: I think there is a volcano on Skull Island, but I don't think it's ever active in any of the movies. Whereas that is the movies a, that we've seen, sure. That is a primary part of Journey to Sending Earth, is they go through volcanic tubes to get to the center of the Earth. And right. Right. And so that the, the cinematographer said that Stephen Summers said that is the, the movie that he wanted to do after this. You know, whether or not, uh, you know, Treat Williams was going to be part of that. We will never know because The Mummy was a super smash hit the next year and spawned. Oh, two like, years. Yeah, I thought it was 98. It was 99. Like so he would go into production immediately for The Mummy. I mean, yeah. and Yeah. The Mummy got tons of sequels and spinoffs and got
1: very and, popular. And so that's the thing is like, I mean, I I really enjoy Stephen Summers uh, a lot and you can kind of feel like, oh, this is the direction he wants to go. And while he didn't get to make, whether it was King Kong or Journey to the Side of the Earth, he certainly loves those old pulpy style classics, which is what he did with The Mummy is he did not re- remake the Karloff Universal Whoa. horror film. He made a pulpy, like action adventure movie, like that feels more like like a Doc Sampson or a sh- like you know a Shadow kind of movie, like in in that realm of of characters than it does the the old Universal horror stuff. And mm-hmm. yeah, that movie's a smash hit. And then you know he stuck with that, and then Van Helsing. Yeah, which, not not well liked that one. <laughs> not well liked, but it made money.
0: Yeah, um, those are fun. This one, this movie did not make money. This this had a budget. No, it did not forty five million dollars, probably more with advertising, and only scraped by with eleven oh. million at the box office. So, oh, it hurts. Not not anywhere near one of the biggest bombs of of all time. You know, you're usually talking only getting like ten percent of your right. returns back. You know, ninety percent loss to be like one of the biggest bombs. But this movie did not do well. It did find its audience though in the vhs rentals Mm -hmm. dvd sales eventually i'm sure blu-ray once yeah i know it's i mean so it's a a
1: cult classic now i mean people people
0: have come around this movie a lot and will we come around on it with our scores where it it ranks in in kaiju cinema history do you want to talk about your personal enjoyment for oh yeah I, i
1: think this movie is an absolute blast i mean I think it's cheesy in all the right ways. Everyone is very charismatic. It's fun. The creature is awesome, and yes, there's not enough of it because it goes the more horror route with it. Mm-hmm. But I mean, yeah, this movie for me is is a home run. This is a nine out of ten. I I love <laughs> this movie. I think this movie is so much fun. It is the epitome of '90s adventure. Mm -hmm. And what American audiences and what American studios were agreeing of like what a giant creature movie was going to be. And which is why I wanted to add it to the list is because, you know, to highlight, this is where the American mindset was at in terms of kaiju films. It wasn't for named creatures that were the stars of the movie. The stars of the movie were still the actors because Hollywood won't come around on that for another 25 years. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, like this movie is just a joy to watch, and I'm only knocking it because the whole Joey of it all. Like, <laughs> if it, if it weren't for that, it would be a ten out of ten.
0: <laughs> the whole Joey of it all. I mean, it's an odd movie. It's an interesting movie, and I think it's one that does know kind of what it is oh absolutely i think the mummy knows what it is as well but the mummy at least is purporting itself to be like a very good movie well the mummy also had like
1: twice the budget
0: (laughs) (laughs) well this one just kind of plays into the schlock where you get treat williams saying lines like i got a bad feeling about this
1: whereas like again if that were harrison ford everyone (laughs) would be like oh that's so great well he already said that in star wars (laughs) right but again the prequels aren't out yet and yeah, 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 you know, I, I <laughs> can you like imagine if if the
0: the president uh, said that before he said, get off my plane? <laughs> I got a bad feeling
1: about it. never tell no, me. The I, odds. I, I I feel like I feel like that would have worked fine for an audience that, you know, there hadn't been a Star Wars sequel in. Well, there wouldn't be one for quite some time, but like the prequels hadn't come out yet. The the re-releases, it, it would, I don't think have come out yet. I think the re- no, I think you're right. I think you're right. I think that was ninety eight, um, ninety nine. Yeah, so I I think that that doing that would have been fine because people are like, oh man, they, I miss Harrison Ford doing that. <laughs> you know, like just doing that kind of adventure stuff. So I'm Tree I, Williams I'm for it. saying it is just so so silly. I, I, I get that, but I, I thought it was funny.
0: There's times in this movie, like I said, when the the creature is like out racing the ski doo as they're like. Skiing through the the yeah, that's great <laughs> the the ship and it just it's called art, Patrick. It doesn't make a lot of sense, and it really it kind of takes me out where it just turns into very generic action movie. I, I really I think I prefer the first. Th- Third or even half of this movie, a lot more. But for personal enjoyment, I'm given it a seven out of ten. I, I could see myself Insane. rewatching this sometime. I rented it just because I I don't need to own this. Thing. Oh no, I'm
1: <laughs> I've I've been looking to see like if the 4K is out yet. <laughs> I was about to say I
0: think the if you get the Blu-ray, this would be one that's worth it for all the special features you get on there. For the technical aspects, I am you know giving it points for all things it does very well. Apparently this used post-production color editing. It's like one of the first films to do that. Even though I think Oprah, the word now came out before this one. Like I said, this film was like filmed two years prior and it was sat on for a while. It's a very common practice now, but it gives, you know, the, it affects the mood of this movie and, and, you know, it shows how far ahead they were in, in trying to like use some cutting edge tech, um sadly, I, I do think this is kind of a poor script. It's kind of a very by the numbers action horror plot. I don't think Ebert is like super wrong in saying it's like an alien clone, but there's just a ton of unlikable characters you're introduced to very early on. And I don't care when almost any of them get killed off, you know? That's have, fun. I
1: mean, the, 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 it's fine to have monster food in your movie. <laughs> well, you
0: have the the super Burke character. I, I don't even think we we talked about. Uh, we have not. And <laughs> Anthony <laughs> Heald's character, who's just like <laughs> such a a, a slimy, uh, you know, the the owner of the boat. <laughs> I don't care. Any, there's so many one-dimensional stock kind of bad guy characters in this movie that I just I just wish I cared about anyone a little bit. <laughs> You know, except for Joey. Joey's obviously. I did. I did like him actually living at the end and cock blocking Treat William. But the script isn't the only problem with the movie. There's just a lot of just kind of acting that never really rises over. You know, run for your life, <laughs> kind of screaming at at high, high pitch voice. So technical aspects, I'm giving this a six out of ten. It is. It's probably closer to to seven than than. Uh,
1: well, then give it a seven.
0: Than a five, but <laughs> no, it's a. It's a six. What about you, Miles?
1: I so the script works entirely for me because I, I I agree with you that the movie is very self-aware. So it's it knows what it's playing with, and despite the fact that yes, some of the CGI does not age as well, you know, almost thirty years late later, I think the, the creature still looks great. I think all of the actors involved, like they they look, they're having a great time. They're they're giving a very charismatic performance. The script is for me very very fun. There are some flaws in it and which is why I'm I'm docking it a little bit, but I mean everything from like the great creature effects to fun characters to you know your your in-your face like deaths, it's all there for me. So from a technical aspect, this is getting a nine out of ten. Hey, you're an insane (laughs) person. I I I, I told you this was this was gonna be wild for us because I love this
0: movie. I, like I said, I, I will say the CGI I think looks great in the first half. The tentacles honestly are some of the best CGI I think in in any kind of movie like this up until this point. And then they yeah. just they they kind of cut the budget well, for that towards the end I, of it, and they, they just look the prob- rubbery
1: and also the problem is when and and this is true in the 90s. I mean, even when you, when you rewatch the Mummy, which still mm-hmm. slays when you watch it but the cgi is still like because of the kind of cgi it was still feels like that yeah. it's whenever it goes that big they just didn't have the technology to to make it really work the way they would now and it but, also just
0: doesn't make sense what how like the tentacles are like chasing them through the whole
1: ways like it's I, so the the way i the way i have kind of theorized is that like (laughs) each one of those little mouths with the 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 heads and stuff have their own little like brain and (laughs) so they're kind of controlling the the tentacle in that aspect
0: oh i'm just talking about like the the length of them like how how they can stretch but yeah I, i i didn't even think about like you know, how it can like see or look around. I don't care about
1: that. (laughs) Don't worry (laughs) about the stretching then.
0: What about the, uh, Oh, for the evocative nature, I I don't feel like this adds engages or contributes ton to the kaiju film canon. It has these homages. It's had these nods. I, you know, the supposed King Kong connection at the end, you know, is, is a fun nod. Even if, like I said, it wasn't journey to the center of the earth and, that's what they were doing. This is not a good King Kong prequel, but this movie I think is good enough to add onto our list to talk about as far as American kaiju movies. I mean that so far this is one of the best American kaiju movies, not just kaiju adjacent that that we've. Scene like, but I mean, yeah, <laughs> those are pretty slim pickings as far as the 1990s go, you know. But I, I think th- this probably does rise to the challenge more than the relic, and uh, there, there's still so many aspects Reed. of tremors that that work. I'm sorry, what did you say? I said, I, I agree, yeah. Um, uh, I, I think tremors just works on, on a different level. I, I'm I'm boosting my score. I think I had a soulless uh, a four out of ten before. I think I'm gonna go as high as five out of ten, which is moderately insightful. Because, like you said, there are some things that it is it is referencing, even if they're not kaiju movies. They are creature features and kind of like the American sense of right. Just like you said, you know, uh, the Mummy's a a Doc Samson kind of adventure. This does feel like summers is pulling from various elements of those kind of uh 50s or 60s monster movies
1: yeah i i think he is and i mean outside of kong yeah we just don't have the affinity for the named monster outside of you know godzilla which was known to be in the works so i mean obviously summers is going to play with that even though there are i feel like some references to godzilla in this film yeah, I, I, I mean, I this is this is what kind of hurts this movie the most is this is very much kaiju adjacent. It is mm-hmm. also, you know, I, I would th- I would say the most kaiju esque movie we get uh, up to and possibly including the American Godzilla movie. <laughs> Not including, <laughs> but <laughs> up to for sure. So, yeah, I, but I, at the same time, I, I do think it has some of the. The mainstays of some of the kaiju cinema, which is also something that was in some of those 50s films where you have this mystery of what the creature is, you have something that kind of feels like a natural disaster that isn't, and you have something that's, you know, it, depending on the movie, I mean a lot of our kaiju have been heroes. But hey, say what if the the star of the movie was King Ghidorah with no Godzilla? You know, it, it would be something like this, it'd be more of a horror film. Or even the first Godzilla movie is more of a horror movie. It's a mystery, and so in in keeping with that kind of spirit, I definitely think for Americans, this this is the closest we get to that kind of kaiju movie. That said, yes, this has been a, this is a cult classic. I wouldn't say it's been forgotten, but it's not one that that gets talked about too often, and it doesn't play with a ton of other giant movie tropes and and certainly more with American horror and action tropes. So I, it does hurt that movie's evocative nature. And so I'm probably going to give it a seven out of, as a result, because mm-hmm. it does it. I think it's something that should be kind of put in the, the outskirts and one that should be talked about more frequently, but it's still not quite to that area of, oh, this is a 100% of an American kaiju film that needs to be talked about. But this is certainly one that I think deserves a lot more discussion about it and what it represented in a time where Americans weren't really making kaiju films at all.
0: Yeah, I, I think if they had gone with the size of how big the monster is compared to <laughs> the ship on the, the Blu-ray box, you know, can you imagine if it was just like a giant like Um, a Kraken, like monster on the outside of the ship at the end, because honestly, they're so little done with the head of the monster inside the, the ship. Like they shoot at it once and that's it. If they had gone like a truly epic scale you know, the, the, the the profile of, of this monster, I think would have been a lot different, even if they're just dealing with its tiny tentacles, the entire, entire movie that brings my score for this one. And one of our, rare instances where you're rating a, a film higher than me. <laughs> uh, I'm giving this one a six out of 10. Uh, you're giving Monster. it a, 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 a sweet eight, a little higher than an eight. Which brings our low. Brings our kaiju average to a seven out of ten for the podcast seven out of ten for deep rising is pretty good miles i don't know what you're talking about it's not high now <laughs> uh, we did give tremors an eight so now i'm, I'm feeling uh, like well
1: was... tremor tremor should have been a nine <laughs> or a ten so i don't i don't want to hear it once again gave it you tremors. gave it a nine so definitely not a 10 yeah because uh i'm i'm a correct person
0: <laughs> <laughs> we did <laughs> we collectively liked honey i blew up the kid maybe more than this movie but both got a 7 out of 10 for another american film and at least we like this more than the other american films of the relic the the legend of Galgameth, and the zarkor the, the invader that shall not be named <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh um, no this this movie's an absolute blast i i definitely encourage people to go check this one out yeah, it's fun.
0: Yeah, my, my my personal dream was a 7 out of 10. Like I said, I think this is if you're going for a night of like schlocky 90s action movies that probably people haven't seen and you want to show to to friends, th- this one can go on your list for, for sure. It is, <laughs> you know, probably people haven't seen it because it is uh, kind of a a rare gem. It's not one that I remember seeing on like cable television or HBO. No, I don't much. either. Actually. I think it really did get kind of, uh, I just rented it lost in the sauce, but yeah, that's, that's going to do it for deep rising. We, we ended up talking a lot about this movie, which is hilarious, but where, where can folks find us if they want to share with us their, their favorite memories of this film, Miles?
1: Yeah. If you want to agree with me, you can email us at uh, kaiju versus history at gmail.com and you can tweet to us at kaiju versus history sky us at blue sky uh, <laughs> all, kaiju all social history.
0: medias yeah just type in kaiju yeah. versus history uh, we're, the, we're the only podcast
1: called that <laughs> yeah uh, go kaiju versus dot com rate review our show comment share with your friends let us know what you think and check out our letterbox account kaiju versus history to see all of our reviews and watch our list of films so, Patrick, I kind of ruined this already because it was part of the conversation. But what are we doing next week? <laughs> I didn't ruin it. It's fine. Oh, uh, well,
0: thank you, Miles, for for talking with me and everyone out there listening. Uh, we're going to catch you next time when finally we dive into a a movie that is decades in the making with the rights to Toho's Golden Cash Cow finally sold off to an overseas producer and a, a whole nother studio. And, you know, we're going to see if more money, Hollywood actors and a disaster expert director can make a masterpiece or a piece that's kind of a disaster of a film. That is right. Tune in next time for History versus Godzilla 1998.